and welcome to the podcast version of COS Live, a weekly program keeping you up to date on the Article 5 movement working to reclaim liberty in America. You can watch the original live broadcasts on Convention of States Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, and X. And now, here's COS Live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to COS Live. I'm your host, Rita Peters, and unfortunately, my trusty co-host, Andrew Loosh, is not able to join me for this episode, so I know you all are really sad. I miss him, too. But hey, we have a great program for you today. From the halls of his state capitol in Oklahoma City to the halls of the nation's capitol in Washington, D.C., he helped Oklahoma become state number seven to pass Convention of States Actions Article 5 application. Now he's a congressman. Representative Josh Brakeen joins us to share his thoughts on the speaker race and why he supports an Article 5 convention to help drain the swamp. Now stick around until the end of today's program for a COS Live mailbag segment. And if you want to be included in the next edition of COS Live mailbag, drop a comment or a question. We just might feature you next. But first, we're going to go right to Mike for our Article 5 trivia giveaway. Mike? Thank you, Rita. Wow, what a pleasure it is to be here with you on COS Live today. It's going to be a great show. We have Congressman Josh Burkeen to join us. And I know you guys are going to love hearing this interview with Rita and Congressman Burkeen. In the meantime, I'm going to do some Article 5 trivia. One of the things I want to mention is I'm going to give away one of these cool, defiant shirts. I happen to, this is one of my favorite shirts. We're in the sunset of this. We're running out of these shirts, although we do have all the sizes still available for a very limited time. I recommend you get one for a couple of reasons. I like the black because, for example, if you happen to carry, get one size bigger. It really does great. It's a fairly heavyweight shirt that will conceal particularly well. People know I'm defiant and I get to advertise it. So we're gonna give one of these away if you're the one who gets the answer to our trivia question. Of course, we have some new stuff in the store. If you wanna take a look at the Defiant shirt or anything else that's brand new, just go to shopconventionofstates.com, shopconventionofstates.com, and you can shop in our wonderful nationwide store that supports the movement that you are working so hard in. So here's my question for today. I'm excited to bring it. And the question is, which founding father articulated his support for an Article 5 convention in Federalist 85? You either know this or maybe you can look it up real quick, but type in your answers. Don't forget to get involved in the conversation that's going on in the chat. And I will be back at the end of the show to share the answer to that question. In the meantime, tune in and enjoy watching this show with Rita and Congressman Burkeen. Back to you, Rita. Josh Burkeen is a freshman congressman who previously served in the Oklahoma legislature. As a member of the Oklahoma Senate, Burkeen was one of the leading proponents for the Convention of States Action Resolution and helped Oklahoma become the seventh state to pass our Article Mm -hmm. 5 application for term limits, fiscal restraints, and limits on the scope, size, and jurisdiction of the federal government. 
That legislation was passed by Oklahoma in 2016. And I'm going to take a quick point of personal privilege here and just I have to let everyone know that when Congressman Burkeen was in the Oklahoma Senate, he actually represented my parents who hail from Kingston, Oklahoma. Congressman Burkeen, welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, uh, for those of us that know where Kingston, Oklahoma is, shout out to Kingston. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, before we get into your support for Convention of States, we did want to ask you about the speaker race. After yeah. Kevin McCarthy was ousted, it looked like Steve Scalise would be the front runner. He dropped out and then Jim Jordan of Ohio became the nominee. But after two unsuccessful votes on the floor, there was still too much opposition from the Republican caucus. And so Mike Johnson of Louisiana emerged with unanimous support. And like you, Johnson used to be a state legislator, and he also championed the Convention of States action oh. legislation, helping Louisiana become the eighth state to join the movement in 2016. Wow. I'll, have to, I'll have to bring it up to the speaker. I did not know that. <laughs> yes, um, but Oklahoma was first. Um, now, Johnson recently chaired a congressional hearing on the Article 5 convention process. So what I want to ask you first is what's your perspective on why Johnson became the nominee? And is this a positive step for Congress? Well, um, yeah, well, I'll answer that in one word, um, Providence. <laughs> uh, I actually watched it play out and, and, uh, and I saw someone that was seventh in the leadership structure within a matter of 24 to 48 hours, ascend to the position of Speaker of the House. And, and uh, there was divine intervention. Uh, I, I don't say that flippantly. It was um, someone, you know, if, you, if those that know Mike Johnson know that he has a deep rudder of faith. He's a constitutionalist. Um, to your point about uh, even why he would support Article 5, it's in the Constitution. You got to know what's in there for those that would say, well, let's support the Constitution. Great. There's a two part series to Article five and we can't say we support the Constitution, say, ah, but not that one part. Uh, and so he's a constitutionalist. He is a true conservative. He's by scorecards. He, he rates as such. And he's deeply respected because he's got a man, uh, you know, in politics, often the word integrity is thrown around. Oh, this is a man of integrity, a woman of integrity. He's a man of integrity. He's got the fruit to back that up. And, and, uh, and so he, he moved uh, from that position um, because of just who he is and because uh, I believe Providence was, I, I know Providence was pushing him forward. Well, I can tell you that a lot of us people of faith around the country just couldn't be happier to see him in that speaker position. Now, this is your first year as a congressman in D.C., so tell our viewers, give it to us straight. Is it as bad as a lot of us suspect? And is there anything that has really surprised you now that you're inside the belly of the beast? Yeah, it, it's as bad as you think it is. Um, I work for Tom Coburn, who championed Convention of States, as most of your viewership will will know. I worked for him almost 20 years ago for gave six years of, of my life because I believed in in what Tom Coburn stood for. He was uh, a person that had a constitutional framework, a biblical framework, and he was a straight shooter. And I was, you know, from afar in serving him and in, in his position as United States Senator years ago, um, we had a, a six to $7 trillion gross national debt. The average man, woman, and child owed $24,000 as their share of that debt. And now we're at 33 trillion. And the average uh, man, woman, and child 
portion of the gross national debt is $100,000. And so, you know, 15, 20, 20 years, we have um, quadrupled the share of individual debt. That means every baby opens its eyes, takes in its first breath of air in any hospital in America today, owes $100,000 as their share of that debt because of uh, mismanagement by those legislators in previous years. So we've got a real mess on our hands. We are headed towards bankruptcy. The entitlement programs within 10 years, both Medicare and Medicaid hit insolvency. In addition, that's in addition to our gross national debt. We're in a mess. And um, most people think that Tom Coburn left because of his health. He, those of you with Convention of States know he left believing that what you all uh, talk about as being a derivative, that uh, constitutional ripcord of the provision of Article 5 that says that the states will reclaim that role of doing what the federal government time and time again has proven that, that it, won't, it won't do, have self-restraint. Um, he believes so much in, in, in the concept, and that's you know why he in pain traveled around for years with Mark Meckler, traveled around in pain um, with the condition that he was in, um, ultimately, you know, passing away months after he was with Mark uh, advocating state by state for Convention of States. Yeah. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about your connection to Senator Coburn. I understand you're now in his old congressional seat. And of course, many of our viewers will remember he was senior advisor to Convention of States action for years up until, as you said, he couldn't physically do it anymore. And he, of course, passed away in 2020. We miss him so much. But tell us the story, because I understand you were in a meeting with Dr. Coburn about Convention of States, and, and it came up. Tell us that story. Well, so uh, Ronnie Collins was my fifth grade social studies teacher. He calls me one day when I was representing your parents in the Oklahoma State Senate. I hadn't been there, but a, a few uh, years uh, maybe a year. And he calls me um, and uh, he said to me, he said, I want you to read this particular provision uh, with, within the Constitution. It was Article 5. And at that time, Rob Nadelson, out of, I think it was the Goldwater Institute, maybe was kind of talking about this a little bit. And um, so I ran a bill that year without any structure. I don't think Convention of States had fully formed in, in that year. I think you guys um, probably, Mark was in conversations maybe with uh, Michael uh, Ferris. Um, but in terms of you all forming, I don't think you had formed yet because I, I had not heard of, of Convention of States, the Convention of States movement on this subject. So I kind of piloted uh, in Oklahoma trying to run this measure. Well, I didn't realize that only a couple of years before Oklahoma had removed its call. And so that, I didn't even know that that had occurred. There was a gentleman that was respected in Oklahoma politics that had brought forth that movement. And here I am two years later introducing the subject. I go to committee to introduce this. And man, it, it didn't go over very well because it was fresh on the minds of the, the opposition to it. So I ran it for a year, maybe two. And I'm at a town hall meeting and wanted to see my friend, Tom Coburn. Um, and because, you know, I just such respect all of us that worked on his teams um, just just loved him. We just adored him. He was the guy that the more you were around him, the more respect you had for him because you saw behind the scenes, he was so authentic and so genuine and so passionate. It wasn't an act. And, and uh, uh, you know, the, the disappointment of being here myself and seeing the actors on the stage at, at Washington, D.C. ultimately many times deludes itself, um, dilutes its influence to become is really sad. But he wasn't that. So I... Um, Showed up. I was a state senator representing Atoka. He was the United States senator, had just announced he was going to retire. He had just put it in the Tulsa world. He was going to support Convention of States. 
And uh, I thought, oh, my gosh, he never talked about that. What's going on? And in the meeting at Atoka, Oklahoma, he's doing a town hall meeting. They're talking about the shutdown. And uh, he, people are asking about, you know, Ted Cruz was making the news at that point about the shutdown. And Dr. Coburn's position was asked. And then he stands up and he, he looks at me in the back of the room and he says, I'm looking for a Josh Burkeen to, to author uh, this measure in the Oklahoma legislature and begins to talk about the, the Article 5 um, Amendment uh, uh, Convention call. And so I would never have interrupted Tom Coburn because I just revered him. But I said, Dr. Coburn, can I say something? And uh, I said, I've been trying to run that measure for a year, maybe in two at that time. And I said, I can't get any traction. And uh, I hope Carolyn and his wife is, may watch this. Uh, he in true Tom Coburn fashion, those that knew him well, Mark will get a kick out of this. He looked at me from the front of the stage. He said, I bet that'll change. And he was basically saying, I'm about to get involved. Things are going to change. And, and, uh, and it was the quiet confidence of Tom Coburn. And he, he knew, he knew he had tremendous influence in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And uh, absolutely. The moment he began to throw in and those that were true conservative friends of mine who, who disagreed, thought that thought it was not a good idea because they had such adoration for him as a true conservative said, look, I can buy into this. And, uh, and you know, now today, I don't think there's hardly anybody on the national stage that is, uh, you know, uh, that has not now come online uh, in support of, of Convention of States, Article 5, the mm -hmm. concept of it. Now, I know that, you know, we had some that, you know, have said, well, maybe now is not the right time. Uh, that's different than saying that the concept is not constitutionally sound. Mm -hmm. um, there's such support, you know, around the around the nation uh, among true conservatives. And I'm in the Freedom Caucus. I was one of the 20 at the head of the year, you know, when the speaker's race was happening. I had probably one of the most um, conservative voting records um, of any freshman and may be in the top 20 on scorecards of any member of Congress for this year. And like many other conservatives that support this, it's because I believe if the Constitution, we say we need to follow it and it's in the Constitution, Rust ruins more tools than overuse ever did. And this little concept is is rusty and we need to brush it off, um, sandblast it and put it to use. Wow, what a great analogy. I love that. I hope I can have your permission to borrow that from you. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Congressman, you were a champion for us in Oklahoma. You helped Oklahoma become the seventh state to pass the Convention of States Action Resolution. We're now up to 19 states with 15 more needed to call the convention. What does it mean to you that you were such a big part of that achievement, making Oklahoma one of the leaders on this issue? Well, well, let me just say this. I um, That is, is owed in great part both to uh, state senator, current state senator Rob Standridge, um, who I had a conversation with on the floor of the Oklahoma State Senate after that conversation with Tom Cover, and I got back to the Capitol. I had run the repeal of Common Core in Oklahoma that year, and I had made some, some people not too happy with me. Um, but we had a successful repeal, the first true repeal of Common Core in the nation. And I knew that, that I had used a lot, expended a lot of political capital. So I looked at Rob on the floor and I said, Rob, I don't want anybody voting against this new brand of, of how we're going to try to approach this with Dr. Coburn involved on Convention of States. I want you to lead it and I need to step back and co-author it. And so the great credit goes to Tom Coburn and Rob Standards. In fact, Rob Standards wrote a book. Um, called uh, uh, Smashing the D.C. Monopoly uh, alongside Tom Coburn on this, uh, on this concept. 
and you all may still have some copies of it where it talks about the value of Article 5 and the constitutional uh, attributes of Article 5. And uh, he gives me a little plug at the front, but but uh, I wasn't the one who wrote the book. I wasn't the one who needs to to get the gratitude. It was Tom Coburn and Rob Standards in Oklahoma who pulled who did the heavy lifting. But am I excited that we did this? And and I've stayed engaged somewhat, even in a volunteer element. Uh, you know, when I went back into the free market after my time in the legislature, um, I uh, had a call from uh, with John Gwynn, who runs Oklahoma's uh, grassroots effort, or did at the time. I don't know if John's still doing that, but I you know, gave a little bit of effort on even the sunset provision um, and trying to make sure we got that repealed and uh, trying to stay engaged on the grassroots element, even when I was not in public office. And then, you know, months to years later, I run for Congress. You mentioned our volunteers, our grassroots team in Oklahoma. How important are the volunteers to passing legislation? No, they're, they're huge. Um, <laughs> The uh, Article 5 concept and the Convention of States, um, I saw it when I was a state lawmaker, even though I took the co-authorship with Rob. I saw the number of emails and the the, um, the amount of people at the Capitol who were talking about all these people that cared enough about to email them or, or communicate with them. So that is extremely important. Um, I, I mentioned the repeal of Common Core. That was a huge lift in, in, in 2014 in Oklahoma. And um, there was um, an organization that uh, grassroots organization that a good friend of mine, Jenny White, organized and people showed up at the Capitol all wearing matching T-shirts. And it says something when lawmakers are just, you know, wrote utilization of time and energy. And all of a sudden today's different because what are all those matching T-shirts? Why don't they all care enough to come to the Capitol? And I know you all engage that way. And when, you know, some lawmakers operate by principle, many lawmakers operate by populism and being afraid of their own shadow when it comes to, will I get reelected or not? Hmm. And uh, for those members, it, uh, it makes a big dent. Now, yeah. the principal people, even the principal people that, that you and I uh, know are out there that may say, well, I don't know about this. Um, it makes a difference, especially when you're willing, when you go prepared and you listen to what the product that you all put forth. I would encourage all of your grassroots um, supporters, don't just go to the Capitol. Um, do go to the Capitol, but take the time to get to know the subject matter so that when you're asked or pressed, why do you believe what you believe? Be prepared to give an account. And, and, and a great account specific to those that are conservatives that may have, you know, and uh, there are great things that the John Birch Society advocates for on, on certain things. I heartily disagree with them on this. I've got friends that, um, you know, ascribe to a lot of John Birch ideology. And for me to sit down with them and, and to just say that to them, if you believe in the Constitution, if you believe that as, as Jefferson and, and Washington, I think both of them said the finger of God was involved in the Constitution. If you really believe, now I'm not ascribing to it the same relevance of, of the Bible, okay? I'm not describing, but, the, but, but for those founding fathers who said the finger of God was involved in getting the work product of the Constitution, and we believe it was profound, and we believe it's lasted as the longest uh, rule of law measurement or, or instrument of, uh, in recorded history, then why did, would you say with that position, follow all of it, but not that one part? That's hypocrisy. Yeah, that's a great point. 
Now, at Convention of States, we've always said that this is a solution as big as the problem in D.C. There are other Article 5 efforts that have focused on just one issue, like a balanced budget or just term limits. But if you just do one of those things, that still leaves a lot of other critical issues festering. The strength of the Convention of States Action Resolution is that it empowers the states to fix interlocking issues. So our three planks, as you know, are fiscal restraints, including limits on taxation and spending, term limits on Congress and federal officials, and limits on the size and scope of the federal government. So that would allow for proposals like a single subject amendment to prevent these huge omnibus bills that nobody can ever read all of. Or it it would include um, fixing the Commerce Clause to its original intent. So my question for you is, when a convention is called, is there a particular amendment idea that you think is most urgently needed? Uh, look, I, I think you know the balanced budget is is our most pressing. I think that the the greatest threat to us uh, domestically is our debt. And um, now I'm not I'm on homeland security. I don't want to belittle what's happening with our border and our threat at the southern border. When you have uh, 650 Iranian on our our special interest alien list to come across that border in the last two years, and I'm not marginalizing the threat from China, the threat from um, you know that's happening from from Hamas, Hezbollah. Um, our great ally in Israel. But I believe um, that the, the, the old African proverb that says, if no enemy can destroy you from the outside, um, if they can destroy you from the inside. And mm-hmm. that is what the goal is, is to destroy us from the inside. And we are being destroyed from our cultural rot, a, a lack of biblical adherence on what we define as right and wrong. Downstream effect of that is our debt and our deficit spending. And that's just a casualty of, of the upstream stuff that we've walked away from founding principles, limited government, the 18 enumerated powers, true constitutional adherence. And it, it, most people, um, you've got to wrap your mind around Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, that's mandatory spending. That's on autopilot now on federal. I'm on the budget committee. That's on, that is on autopilot. All we can do on, on, in the Congress now is, is just adjust eligibility because two-thirds of our federal spending, of our six, $6.5 trillion spend, is on autopilot because Congress has allowed that to happen over the years. In the 70s, it was only one-third. One now it's two-thirds. That means really these 12 appropriation bills you hear in the news, that is all that Congress is, is determining the spending levels for. That's $1.7 trillion as of last year. That's what our discretionary, that's, there's mandatory the two-thirds, and the one-third that we actually allocate funds for now is, is a $1.7 trillion spend last year. Really, guess what our deficit was this last year? $1.7 trillion. Wow. Do you know what that means? That means that 100% of our discretionary spending is borrowed money from our kids and our grandkids. The only thing we're paying for is Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, food stamps, the mandatory side, and in 10 years, those hit insolvency. So 100% of almost every government program that you can think of, education, uh, energy, all the direct uh, 2,300 different government subsidy programs to the states and individuals. By the way, it's twice the number of 1980. We only, we only had a $1 trillion gross national debt in 1980 also. 2,300 different government subsidy programs and defense. That's a discretionary budget. 2,300, these, you know, different government programs, many subsidizing states, many subsidizing individuals, and then defense budget, 
then all of those energy and water, interior, uh, ag, <laughs> 12 appropriation bills, 100% of that that we're going to determine the top line spending number four is borrowed money. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't pay for a dime now what we spend to defend this country, not a dime. It's all borrowed from our kids and our grandkids. That is truly frightening. And, you know, I, I, I can't imagine that anyone can hear that and think we don't need to do something to fix that problem. Now, Congressman, you have been so generous um, with your time with us today, and I know we need to let you go, but I just have to ask you and, you know, I want our our viewers to to hear. I just imagine that being in Congress right now must be a really frustrating place to be. It can't be easy. So I want to know what drives you, what motivates you to want to serve our country in public office? Um, um, because I am a uh, Bible-believing Christian and because I believe that all of us, no matter what our station in, in life is, um, that we're going to hold an account someday for my actions. Uh, I felt um, prayerfully led to run for this. Um, and it was a strong, um, uh, strong sensing. And uh, Mark Meckler knows this. Mark and Patty Meckler know this. I actually called them a few years ago and said, I can't let go of this, this, this thing I'm feeling prayerfully. I'm, it's like I'm supposed to go back to work for Tom Coburn. I can't let go of this. There were former colleagues that worked with Coburn, uh, that worked for Tom Coburn with myself. I talked to them. I, I can't let, I feel like I'm prayerfully, and, and it didn't make any sense um, because that our, those of us had worked for him that would consider him a mentor. He had passed away. And I had a conversation with Mark Meckler, who leads Convention of States, and, and was just trying to figure out, man, what is this I'm sensing? I'm supposed to go back to work for him. I didn't know within two or three years I would feel such a strong calling to, to run for Congress and to take his old seat, which I now hold. Um, and so I'm in the fight because I believe that uh, there is still hope for America. I don't believe that those of us who are feeling and sensing a call to, to run, um, even, you know, the fight that I had with 20 other, with 19 others at the head of the year on the speaker's race. Um, I had a guy with the Oklahoman that had reached out to me, wanting to know my position, what I was going to do on the speaker's race. I told him I was praying about it. And I told him one of the big things that really bothered me uh, was the fact that no longer amendments being offered by the general rank and file. And in his kindness, this gentleman that worked for that large newspaper sent me an old recording or an old email that he had kept because of his respect for Tom Coburn, where Tom Coburn had said the exact same thing when this, this whole process started in 2014, when they started not stopping members of Congress without having to go through the Rules Committee to get permission to get to the floor. Um, and it was Tom Coburn saying on, a, on a, I think, a Defense Authorization Act, what is it? They don't think the rest of us have any good ideas? Um, and when they begin to, to create this bottleneck where you had to get through nine members picked by leadership who ultimately decided what amendments would be allowed on the on the floor. Um, and so we broke that this this in January with those rules we got and the concessions over that speaker's race. I just came off the floor where I had an amendment on the floor uh, to cut spending uh, going back to 2019. Now, you want to know the frustration? I like there were there were about 40 to 50 Republicans that didn't vote for that. And because of the amount of Democrats that didn't vote for that particular amendment I had on the floor a while ago, it failed. Um, and it had, um, you know, some, some equity, inclusion, LGBTQ type compliance offices within housing and urban development was, I had the amendment to lessen that office back to 2019 spending levels. Novel idea. Can we, you know, is not the size of the government 2019 big enough? So, you know, it is frustrating to see that you don't have Republicans willing to cut that kind of stuff to the, to the point that we can get a majority. 
Um, but look, I have hope, and my hope is much higher than government. My hope is that we can be a shining city on the hill. And uh, it's what George Washington said, um, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would the man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, both reason and experience, forbid us to expect that national morality will prevail in exclusion of religious principles. Uh, I put that to memory. It's from his 1796 farewell address where Washington was saying, you can't even call yourself a patriot if you don't understand the self-governance, which I know is so much a part of what you guys uh, talk about, self-governance, so much a, a key to convincing the states. Self-governance in tandem with limited government, they are uh, the, uh, the balance to return us back to an original intent that our founders um, uh, envisioned for this country. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, uh, I believe like Reagan did, we stopped being one nation under God. We're going to be a nation gone under. And I believe there's hope. I believe Mike Johnson um, and, you know, he's being hit by the media right now. So, so hard for being a Bible believing Christian. How dare he say that his worldview is rooted in the Bible? Uh, our founding fathers believe that. And it's because of the cultural rot we've drifted from those founding principles that we're in the shape we're in. Amen to that. Well, I am so glad you are doing what you're doing. Now, if our viewers want to follow your work or keep up with what you're doing, where can they go to do that? Yeah, burkeen.house.gov. I've got one of those very difficult last names, um, B-R-E-C-H-E-E-N, three, three E's in my last name, uh, Burkeen, um, burkeen.house.gov. And, uh, and they can find me on at Congressman uh, Josh Burkeen on, on social media. Excellent. Congressman Burkeen, thank you so much for your yes, service. Thank you. And thank you for your time today. You bet. Hey, God bless you. Thanks. Thanks for what you guys are doing. And now we'll go back to Mike for our Article 5 trivia answer. You know what's really amazing is we're... 286, I believe, shows into this. And nobody's ever forgotten to come back to me. I feel so special. And I hope you guys are anticipating our trivia question. If you're wondering, what was the prize again? Well, the prize is this cool American Defiant shirt. We're closing them out. So it's a really good time to grab one right now. I like them. I like them in black in particular. And uh, just go to shopconventionestates.com to pick one up if you're not the one who won this shirt based on our trivia question for today. So here is our question. If you hearken back to the beginning of the show, I asked which founding father articulated his support for an Article 5 convention in Federalist 85, in Federalist 85. The answer, Alexander Hamilton. He expressed his support for the Article 5 convention processed in Federal Federalist 85. The national rulers will have no opinion upon the subject, he wrote. By the fifth article of the plan, the Congress will be obliged on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the states to call a convention for proposing amendments, which shall be to all intents and purposes as part of the Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of two, excuse me, of three-fourths of the states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof. The words of this article, he continued, are preemptory. The Congress shall call a convention. Nothing in this particularly is left to the discretion of that body. And of consequence, all the declination, declamation of the disinclination 
to a change vanishes in air. Poof. He then added, we may safely rely on the disposition of the state legislatures to erect barriers against the encroachment of the national authority. If that intrigues you and you're interested, we have a blog on this. Just go to conventionstates.com forward slash blog, conventionstates.com forward slash blog. There's so much great writing there. If you don't go there regularly, I do recommend that you see what's happening and learn more about Convention States at our blog, conventionstates.com slash blog. Well, that's it for the day. I hope you were the winner of this cool shirt, and I'm going to turn it back over to you, Rita, to close out the show. Now it's time for the COS Live Mailbag. These are messages and questions from viewers just like you. If you want to be featured on a future episode, drop us a comment on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. Our first comment today comes from Ralph Hatfield, and he says, Andrew and Rita, thank you for your service to COS. Well, Ralph, that actually just warms my heart. You know, we do these programs every week, and it's really nice to get just words of support and encouragement from people out there watching, people like you. So thank you very much, Ralph Hatfield. Next comment from Sandy Dunning. Love the interview with Michael Ferris, intelligent, principled man of God. Sandy Dunning, I couldn't agree with you more. I love the fact that I have the honor and the privilege to work with people like Mike Ferris. You know, some some people you build up in your minds, you know, these celebrities, and then when you get to meet them, you can be disappointed when you see who they really are. Not so with the leadership here at Convention of States. Michael Ferris is exactly who he presents himself to be. He is an intelligent, principled man of God. Our next comment comes from Ken Ratzak. Sorry if I butchered your name, Ken, and it is actually a question, not a comment. He wants to know which states have joined Convention of States so far. Well, I'll be happy to rattle them off for you. Georgia, Alaska, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, Indiana, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arizona, North Dakota, Texas, Missouri, Arkansas, Utah, Mississippi, Nebraska, Wisconsin, West Virginia, and South Carolina. And yes, I had a little help with the list from Producer G. <laughs> that wasn't just coming from memory. Those are the 19 states. Now, I note that Kansas could become number 20 um, depending on, you know, whether the courts say yes, having the majority vote in both chambers this year um, did qualify as passing the application, notwithstanding the um, Kansas state constitution's supermajority requirement, um, which we know is actually unconstitutional under Article 5. So that's the mailbag for today, folks. Now, don't forget there's a new episode of Crossroads on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Tune in for the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 
Watch the premiere of the Article 5 Convention Simulation Short Film. I'm really excited about this and it will debut on Tuesday, November 21st at 6 p.m. Eastern Time in our regular time slot. Now, we would love it, folks, if you would leave us a five-star review on our podcast because that helps us reach more people with our message of hope. Now, we've got a country to save, so let's get back to work. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening to today's program. For information, please visit www.conventionofstates.com forward slash pod. That's www.conventionofstates.com forward slash pod.